trouble isn't head trouble of the world, it's heart trouble. And we're going to wreck our fundamental program in this country by trying to match wits with these modernistic scholars in place. Listen, it's all right to know. It's all right to know. You ought to know. You ought to be a scholar. But you're not going to win them with scholarship. Not going to, you can't win that one. Now, just a minute. Paul said, I'm all things to all men, that by all means I might win some of them. Paul uh, used his education for a contact. Well, he used education. Paul, when he moved around among Jews, he was at home with them. He was a Jew. He knew Jewish tradition and Jewish culture and Jewish background. So he used his Jewish education to make a contact for the gospel. I'm telling you something in this country. We need to get back to the fundamentals in this country. When Paul got with the Greeks, he knew the Greek philosophy and the Greek philosophers. So when he stepped in to talk to a Greek, he didn't match wits with a Greek. He matched the gospel, which is the power of God and salvation against the Greek. His Greek knowledge gave him a contact. Same way with the Romans and the rest of them. Now, we are training young people in this institution uh, to, so they can move in any circle to be at ease. We had one fellow here that uh, stood on this platform one time at commencement. We presented him his diploma, and I said, you want to say something? He said, yes. He stood on this platform and said, Dr. Bob, the first thing, the, the thing which I owe most to my greatest obligation here is the Bible. For these four years, next is my being a stagehand on this platform. He said, I learned time in here. I learned how to time things. I learned how to do things. I learned technique. Nine-tenths of all the preachers I've ever known don't know how to put over a program. They don't know the content. They don't know how to stand on the platform. They don't know how to have a service. This, the biggest fool psychologists I've ever seen have been PhDs in psychology. The greatest psychological blunder I ever knew in my life had written a book on the subject. In the student in this school, we are training showmen the material for Jesus Christ. There isn't a thing in this institution. There isn't one thing that goes here. There isn't a play on this stage. There isn't a song sung. There isn't an assembly. There isn't a chapel. There isn't anything that's done here. That we don't have in view the idea of sending that fellow out, young, so he knows what to do. We have these folks, the thing up and down this country, folks criticize us for having curtain share on the stage. And you know what this curtain's here for and this stage is here for? So you learn how when you get out in life to put on program, not to match a program, but to put the gospel in the show window. So when people come around and say, what they got in that window, that's the gospel. Everything is set there. This fellow stood up here and he said, uh, and he became a missionary. He's held fail on the mission field. We are training Christian leaders. The only purpose of this institution is saying we don't want anybody to go out for this school that isn't a Christian leader. If he's a lawyer, you want to be a Christian lawyer, a doctor, a Christian doctor. If he's a school teacher, you want to be a Christian leader. By the way, let me tell you something. Don't you think we haven't got the goods yet? I just talked to one of the teachers come a while ago. You know, they give a national examination now to teachers. And they tell me that up to now, as far as they found out, Every student in this school taking a teacher's course this year made an A, except one of that teacher made a B on this national examination. This, our academic situation here, we found that our, uh, these are our home economics uh, course here, 
They're in our home economics, and we found it in the record, graduate record examination, our home economics paper in this institution. Uh, this year, I forget, I think the 60 points higher than the made by the leading university of America. We don't peddle that stuff. We peddle the gospel around it. When you tag a preacher as an intellectual, you handicap. When you tag an institution intellectual, something wrong. It's all right to be intellectual, but don't hang a tag on it. Listen, you don't tag anything, tag the gospel. Tell us that mean how long goes. Said, don't you think it's all right to maintain academic status? Yes, sir. There isn't a theological seminary on this continent that has better qualified teachers than we have in our department of religion. Princeton and the rest of them as a whole. Greek, Hebrew, all of it, all of it. More young men take Greek in this school than any school in this country. And brother, let me tell you something. You doing something, you get fellows take Greek in this day and time. They don't even teach it in some of the seminaries of America. But we are so afraid that we'll magnify those things and discredit the gospel until we really hesitate to tell the world what we have. Dr. John Rice is down here recently. Dr. Rice uh, went home and wrote an article in the Sword of the Lord. Dr. Rice said, I wish Dr. Bob Sr. and Dr. Bob Jr. would tell the world more about what they have down there. Scholastic. They call us a camp meeting. Listen, listen, listen. We don't care what they call us. We are not going to push the gospel program and the Christian testimony to one side to magnify anything. We know what we've got. You've got efficiency. You've got everything in the world that goes to make efficiency. They learn to be on time. They move so fast on this campus the devil can't catch them. We don't have any jazz music on this campus. You don't hear them around here singing little old cheap ditties. Like a fellow over here told him about Alabama years ago at a railroad shop. Said this fella called him, fella pray out there, and he said, Lord. He said, We got a bad crowd of men here. Said some of them cuss. Some of them drink liquor. Lord, they're so bad, said they sing these little, these little ditty songs. And said, let me see, Lord, if I can think of the one that they sing most. And he started to, so I can't remember, but said, I'll whistle it, Lord, you recognize the tune. We don't have any cheap music. We don't have it. Listen, there's no jazz in our music. There's no jazz in our classroom. There's no jazz in our religion. Nothing matter with young people in this country except they don't get a dog's chance, that's all. Don't blame the young people. For 23 years, we never sent any girl home from this school in disgrace back to her mother. We teach her modesty. We teach them decent. Listen, you visitors this house today will be more interested much in what I'm saying now. Did you know that this institution is criticized more by fundamentalists for its discipline than it is by modernists for its orthodoxy? The modernists of America don't criticize us for, more, for our orthodoxy as much as fundamentalists of America criticize us for this. You know why it makes me feel bad? It scares me. It shows me where we are headed in this nation. 
But from the many young things, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I won't live my own life. They've already sold it. The institution that tolerates that is already on its way out as far as the spiritual blessing of God is concerned. Apostle Paul never forgot his Christian philosophy. Yeah. So I keep my body down. What do you do? Yeah, I put myself down and put my heel on my neck and stay down, master. Stay down, master. What do you do, Paul? I'm afraid not to. Why? After I preach the gospel to others, I might, I might be our docomos. I might be disapproved. You've got fundamental young people in America, they wouldn't dance. They wouldn't go to that picture show and they're alive. But some of them will neck in an automobile and sit in a boy's lap and go to hell. You don't have any of that stuff around here, brother. If a boy ever gets a kiss on this campus, brother, it's a quick one. <laughs> and the boy's got any sense, don't take any chances about it. There never has been a long, lingering kiss on this campus in 23 years. <laughs> this isn't a Hollywood institution. Hollywood's about damn this country. You know, I sat here last night through this Shakespeare and play. Dr. Bradbury up McBalker is talking to me. And I went home, went to bed, thinking about something he said. He said, you know, when Shakespeare's plays were on the stage in England, there wasn't any preaching in the pulpits of England. They got more at the theater under Shakespeare's philosophy than they got in the pulpits in that country and came back to those restrictions of living. You know, Shakespeare was a theologian. Shakespeare, in everything he ever wrote, protected the orthodox position. Not only do that, he drilled in every crowd that ever saw it. But you lose if you play a game of sin. It's a dirty shame that you can't see Shakespeare in this country in Christian institutions where they can see it and know what's what. No, the devil doesn't own anything. Everything the devil has is stolen property. The devil stole Shakespeare and put it in theatrical underworld. Just like did opera music. The greatest music in the world is opera music. The devil stole it. He stole it. Everything he has is stolen property. Listen just a minute. You know what we want? We don't think the devil ought to have it. We're not going to let him have it as far as we're concerned. All right, you're sitting down. Let the, you know what the devil's done? He stole efficiency from churches and Christianity and Christian programs. Yes, ago I was down here in Georgia, and I went one day into a, a little church where I'll speak one morning. In the middle of this church is a little stove there. That little stove. 
couldn't make a fire in it because they need a little piece of stove pipe. This preacher just out of a seminary. He looked around and said, it's too bad we can't have a fire. It's awfully cold. He said, I talked to the brethren about buying a piece of stove pipe. I said, how much does a piece of stove pipe cost? Well, just a quarter. I told the brother they ought to buy a piece, put there. You know what he needed? He needed four years in Bob Jones University. That's what he needed. <laughs> he wasn't educated for the ministry. I'd have gone over to one of my deacons and said, Deacon, I want to cut some wood in a quarter. You dirty, stingy, good-for-nothing deacons won't buy a 25-cent piece of stove pipe. I'll cut the wood here and buy it, show you up. Then I'd have preached the sermon on it Sunday morning. <laughs> and I'd have stirred up the church so much that they'd have fired the deacons. God, now I just anything's good enough for Jesus Christ. You can treat him any other way. Anything. We want our girls to dress up and look nice. We don't want them. We don't want them going like around like old slouches. The insurance man came me one time and sold me an insurance policy. The shoes were shining. See how mine looked before I went ahead. Careful, I practice what I preached. His pants were pressed. I said, Brother, you were dressed up. <laughs> I said, Dr. Bob, I do. I'm a salesman. I'm a salesman, he said. And I looked at my shoes and my pants, and I said, I'm a salesman. Listen. Go in all the world. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Be witnesses to me. Jesus, I hate to say this. I don't want to shock you. Jesus wasn't in the slouch. I'll venture he was the nicest gentleman at the wedding feast. Now I'm speaking reverently. I'll venture when the Son of God sat down that night at that table, he was the nicest gentleman left. I'll venture he held his knife and fork right. He ought to have been at home. He'd been accustomed to walking down royal halls and on royal carpets out the eternity. Tell him that, that's it. And I imagine when he said, uh, uh, get some empty pots here and some water, he said it like a gentleman would say, not, not giving orders, blustering around. And he said, so they said, anything he says, do around here, you do. Listen, you will misrepresent Jesus Christ if you are not a gentleman and a lady. I've known the Holy Ghost grieved and Christianity hurt and the testimony of Jesus Christ sinned against all over this country. 
by theological seminary graduates and college graduates that turn up their nose at a gentleman institution like this. And yet all the guns on hell's battlements are mounted and turned this way. We are training showing the material for Jesus Christ. We want girls to graduate in this school that will be in the show window of a Christian testimony. And people came along, come along and said, what a lovely girl. We want a preacher that's a gentleman. be an old slouch. You are somebody. I sat down in a conference one time with a group of businessmen. One of these wild, worldly boys been running around with these inefficient preachers. Looked at me and said, of course, Dr. Jones, you're a preacher and you don't know anything about business. I said, you shut up! We tell our gang here that if they elect from meals, they reflect on Christianity. I come over here in the morning to broadcast at 7.15, and they usually come a little before 7 o'clock, trying to make a little talk to come along. And brother, you ought to see them. Their shirt tails are hunting the moon to get the breakfast on time. <laughs> Now I see a crowd of girls streaming across over young. And I say, hallelujah. <laughs> they won't be late to meeting when they get out. You know that poorest assembly on earth is a preacher's meeting Monday morning. I'd rather speak to any gang on earth. Supposed to begin at 10. They come sauntering in and 10, 15, about the first brother. I'm worn out to get there. Then the moderator comes in with it, out of wind. Take a little exercise, hadn't been used to. That's why I'll assemble in about 20 of them, sit around there. So we have time to transact business. What kind of a God Almighty are we serving? What sort of a Jesus Christ saves me? Who is he anyhow? Jesus Christ said, the children of this world are wiser than that generation than the children of that. They are smarter than you. And the world laughs at us. Well, you know, there's one thing about this old university out here, buddy. Hope people folks don't love us. But bless your heart, honey, they sure do respect us. There isn't a businessman in this town that these loud gangs don't respect us. There isn't an artist that would came to this institution that wouldn't tell you that this Shakespeare play produced here last night cannot be excelled in any field of the world. Folks said, no, no. A woman of culture that used to go to all the theaters in the country, in London and America, that sat up with me one night, she's a lovely Christian woman, she's on our board. She said, I've seen them everywhere. It isn't done like that anywhere in the world. Folks said, no, no. What do we do with folks? <laughs> I wouldn't want the devil's gang to beat us putting on a show.
I hate to think the devil's crowd could be Christian people doing a nice thing, wouldn't you? I'd hate for the devil to be a nicer gentleman, to be a nicer gentleman than I am. I'd hate for an old infidel and atheist, a, a godless old pagan sinner going to hell to be nicer than I am and I'm going to heaven. I'd hate to think they'd beat me in I'd hate to think that I entertained, a, that, that uh, an old infidel was entertained in some home somewhere. Some good old woman cooked for him and gave him something to eat. And then he wound up and went on off and was enough of a gentleman to write a letter. Say, my dear Mrs. Smith, I want to thank you for the lovely time I had in your home. You were awfully kind to me and I appreciate it so much. And that certainly was the loveliest meal I've had in a long time. And I just can't tell you what it meant to me. And you were so hospitable. And then I'd hate to think I was an old preacher and get in that home and she cooks for me like she did for the infidel. And I'd get off. I'm not decent enough to write her a letter. I write every one of them a letter. Listen, don't you tell anybody you a preacher boy in Bob Jones University if some old sister cooks for you this summer and you're not decent enough to write a little postcard or a little note and you go home. Don't you tell her. Don't you go around and say, I'm from Bob Jones. You lying on this school when you do it. You girls get out somewhere and party this summer. A bunch of godless, worldly, sensual, sordid people. And they get to naked. You sit down there with them and remember that you're somebody. The Savior to whom you've surrendered your life came from heaven's earth, noonday's earth, midnight way in the body of a virgin and touched the eternal glory woman of. Don't you let some dirty, good-for-nothing fella, even though he talks pious slobber over you, your body's a temple of the Holy Ghost. Don't you, listen, don't you go out from this school. Don't you go out from this school and be an old slouch. You've got something to say. I want to tell you this to something. You won't find a gang like this anywhere under the stars of heaven. You won't find on any spot of earth as many nights lovely, decent, cultured, intelligent people, modest and refined, like you find it. Because when we get the other kind, they don't stay here. I talked to a preacher, uh, a president of an institution, an Orthodox institution in America a few years ago, talking about Christian schools. Well, he said, you know, I'm very proud, Dr. Jones, that there are only 10% of our students that don't profess to be Christians. Well, I said, if we had 1% that didn't profess to be Christians in this school, we'd shut up the school books and have a revival and get them converted. I said, we have enough trouble with ours if they get converted and get saved and on the way to heaven, we still have enough trouble with them. You know, we got around and walking kind of walking country and don't sound so nice. You know, you know, he says, uh, Calvary covers it all. Yeah, that's right, I agree with you. But don't you use that as a means to be a means of devil. Calvary does cover it. I know it. Well, you know, I'm under grace. I am too. Titus said about uh, grace teaching folks something. 
this, you're an old blasphemer when you say that uh, you were on the grace and used as an excuse for sinning. Jesus denied lust, worldliness. What this country needs is not only a revival of gospel preaching, it needs a revival of old-time decent living. That's what this country needs. One girl came to this school several years ago and went home Christmas during the war. On the train, she ran the soldier boy. I told him here this the other day, I'm telling some of you folks I hadn't got here. It happened some year or two ago and on this train, this soldier boy got on his train, started home with him. <laughs> He's hugging on the train. She hadn't been satisfied yet. She, that's what she'd been wanting all the time. Boy, she's happy now. I'm getting what I want. Came back here and we found out we tagged the system and sent back home. We don't take them back when they're not right when they leave here. It's cost us something. It hasn't been easy. We've had a hard time. We've had to defend our friends. Some of the best friends I've ever had on God Almighty's earth. I've had to shoot my kids home. In fact, this girl sent her back home. My daddy still cusses all over the country. If you ever hear anybody ever been here cussing this school, you ask him how much he owes us. Ask him what he was shipped for. Ask him something. You'll be surprised. Ask him. And let me tell you this. These students want it like this. If we took a secret ballot on this campus, there wouldn't be ten votes taken against the rules and regulations of this school. They like it. The higher you set the standards, the greater the morale, the greater spirit. I'd like to tell you this is something too. You don't find on this campus what you find in other places. You don't find a divided faculty here. These teachers are the freest teachers that ever taught. Nobody bothers them. We have to understand when they come here. We tell them what the school stands for. There's been more, there's been more dirty work done in this country in the name of academic freedom, anything I know. Whenever you hear a fellow hollering about academic freedom, he wants the privilege of putting something dirty over on somebody. Every teacher in this school signs a creed and he comes here. We tell him what we'll do. Every teacher in this school names a salary. You visitors might be interested to know that the average salary of the, average, of the teachers in this school, the married teachers, we haven't checked all of them, but the married teachers, the average salary of the teachers in this school, it's a little different system, but the average salary is equivalent, the average salary, to $400 a year over and above the maximum amount required by the Southern Association. I mean the amount required by the Southern Association for the head of a department. Got a good bunch of teachers. And by the way, when you walk around here and hear all this noise I'm making, don't think I'm, don't think I'm the whole punkin' around here. I ain't nothing much.
A lot of folks never had credit for what they deserved. Dr. Brogenshire, Phone Platform, Dr. Parker. And Herbert Hoover, this is former President Hoover sitting here with Dr. Parker. <laughs> the dean, the registrar, all the rest of them. The world never will know how. Well, I shouldn't say it. Bob will just want to shoot me, but he isn't here. Nobody know how much Bob's had to do with it. Anything nice around here, I didn't have anything to do with it. I've done the dirty work for 23 years. <laughs> I've kept the baseball bat and carried on the brain in business. <laughs> Devil won't take this school this first year we started. Sent us a few students and got some of them little ornery curses converted. And they went back home with every woman in 50 miles of that place and heard about that boy being changed. She wanted to send her little ornery curse to us. We are up against it. Get a bad boy here, a bad girl, and you convert him. Then everybody wants to unload on you. If you don't convert him, they say you're no good. So the second year they unload on us. We fired from this organization a preacher. He defended Fosnick. We know about a teacher in this school who defends Fosnick. He's a modernist. We're not going to take money out of the corner of the hatchet, you good old country women. God bless you. I'm tired of the hatchet. We're not going to lie to you. Brother, they can't even smell like a modernist in state. And any preacher that speaks kindly of Dr. Fosnick is a modernist. Don't you pay him anything. Bless your mothers. Haven't got anything against Dr. Fosnick? It's a free country. Let him be a mothers. But I'm a fundamentalist. This is an old time religion school here. Have a more dispensary. Told up right this morning, if I was a younger man, I'd build a mili Christian military school for boys. And I'd put a bench chair, and we called it an altar. Wouldn't have any back to it. And I'd get these boys over this country, and I'd put one good worker at this head with the boy while he's kneeling with a fire. And I'd get a good strong man at the other end with a fire. Let the fellow pray the devil out of him at one end, and another fellow beat the devil out of him at the other end. <laughs> get another school like this is to get a fool like me to start it. A fool that won't stop and fights all the way through. We haven't got the only one, brother, but we've got the only one like this in captivity. <laughs> there are other good schools, but you never did see one that had so many things scrambled in the, in the thing as this. Culture, music, speech, art, literature. 
Greek, Hebrew, French, German, Chinese, Russian, Swedish, and Ammonia's bench beat in right in with it. And discipline, demerits on every wall. <laughs> but you know, it seems to work all right. Seems to work. I had a nice text in the prettiest little sermon you ever heard fix up this morning. I got my Bible right here. I just had to already. I don't know what the Lord's either fixed me up physically, in good shape, so I could die easily, feeling well, or, or whether he has another job for me. I want to do my dead level best, and I want to crowd in everything I can. You see, I told Bob Jr. not long ago, I said, Bob, the difference between you and me is I've made all the mistakes. I couldn't make a new mistake to save my life. If I make one, it's an old one I've already made. I've learned what to do and what not to do. These folks are learning. And, and, and the, uh, the, these eternal drilling in here that goes on not only when I'm here, but when Bob's here and Dr. Parker's here and everybody else is here. And they're learning lessons. You can meet them out in the world. I remember a few years ago when the highways of America were crowded university graduates and college graduates out of work. I owed a thousand dollars to find anybody who would find any graduate of Bob Jones University out of a job. And somebody said, we'll look into it. We'll investigate. Unless I said he might find him sick. If he isn't sick, he's got a job. They couldn't find anybody. They made another survey and couldn't find anybody. Another survey and couldn't find anybody. Somebody said, did you teach him how to make a living? No. Taught him how to live. Folks that know how to live, they have a mission. They run down preacher boys, some of these denominational long coat religio-political bosses. And say, now look curious, of course, Bob Jones' best is all right. They are good, they, they're all right. But they go to button right away. But if you want to stand in with the powers that be, you'd better come to your own denominational school. In other words, we carry our crowd around in their arms, and we'll carry you like that. We'll put lovely ecclesiastical arms around you and carry you about. Listen, if you've got to be carried in ecclesiastical arms, you are not the kind of fellow we want to graduate. I'd like to see anybody keep me from getting the job. I didn't have any open door, I'd bust one down. I'd like to see, say, if you can be stopped by somebody waving a little ecclesiastical lantern, brother, you haven't any steam in your trade. Because they don't wave with much vigor. Here comes my denominational lantern. Slow down, get off, and I'll carry my arms. I rather travel in a train pulled by steam and go somewhere. I never shall forget when I was a young fellow, a very wise fellow said, now, if you want a job, you better go along with the boys. With the boys. You know, that sounded like he's trying to buy me, see? And you know, there's something in me that resents a fellow trying to buy me. And I said, you mean I'll get a better job? 
You don't mean I'll be a better preacher. No. But you'll fair that. They've got just as much right to stick a check under your arm and try to buy you. And if you fall for it, you've sold out. Now, if they said you'd be a better preacher, you'd win more souls to Christ. You can do a greater job and for God. I'd argue with them, but respect them. It's the reason they take the spine out of these fellows, you know. They cut off a little of it by buying them. I had enough sense when I was chewing walls in southeast Alabama and plowing old Beck in the cotton fields. Not to fall that kind of stuff. Listen, what this country needs today is consecrated, well-trained, Christian manhood and Christian womanhood. For we are suffering with a bankruptcy of character that's damning not only this nation but the world. I told yesterday morning about Bishop Cannon and that slanderous book that's written about him. And I read Bob Shula's editorial. Bishop James Slam Cannon was my friend. He was a man of God. He was lied about and slandered. He was orthodox. He loved the Bible. He believed in the vicarious blood atonement. He fought the whiskey crowd in this country. And he lied about this book, slandered. He was vindicated in every charge ever brought against him. And I read Bob Shuler's editorial about this book, the review of it. And I sat there and cried. I said, oh, God, thank you that there's a voice left on the Pacific coast like the voice of Bob Shuler. There's never been a time in the history of this nation, certainly not in my lifetime, when this country needed dynamic, uncompromising, courageous manhood and womanhood that won't fetch in the time of